0: I'm delighted to have been joined by Bishop Kenneth Kieran, who is the Church of Ireland Bishop of Limerick and Killaloo. And Bishop, yesterday evening at the council meeting, you announced your retirement. That's right, Stephen. I did. Later on in June, I will be celebrating 40 years in
1: ordained ministry and even further on later in the year, I'll celebrate my 68th birthday. So with those two facts together, I think retirement is probably the sort of thing that most people will be thinking of. And uh, I certainly have for a number of years now looked forward to retiring at about the age of 68. So my intention is to retire at the end of the month of October. And I was wanted yesterday evening to give the uh, diocese plenty of warning
0: as they, uh, of my impending retirement. And also, I understand that at the same time, in a similar meeting going on in Chewham Diocese, Bishop Patrick Rook also announced his retirement. Yeah, and that was deliberate, I
1: think. People who know what's going on in the Church of Ireland and in the West of Ireland will know that for quite a number of years now, we've been concerned about the future structures about ministry in the West of Ireland, the West and the Southwest. And that really is talking about the Diocese of Limerick and Killaloo, my diocese, and the Diocese of Chewham, Killallan and Connery, which is Bishop Patrick Rook's diocese. And quite some years ago now, three or four years ago, a commission was set up which sought to look into the future of ministry in the West of Ireland. The the issue, I think, is something that is shared by all institutions in Ireland. The fact is that there are less and less people living in the west and southwest of Ireland. While there are great efforts made to attract people to live in the west and the southwest, overall numbers are declining. And we can see that when you look at things like banks, uh, which are closing, bus routes are being curtailed and various ways in which society itself is withdrawing. And I think the churches have worked very hard, and I mean the churches, the Catholic Church and ourselves and other churches, uh, have worked quite hard to actually stay with communities. But that doesn't mean that we are impervious to the need to change structures. So we engaged in very serious conversations about the future of ministry. And while I think we saw we were very hopeful about the future of ministry and parish life, we did see that some needs, some changes needed to be done. Um, in the level of Episcopal ministry. And the proposal is that that whole region will be headed by one bishop who will be based in Limerick, who will have temporary residence in the northern part of the diocese, in the Chum part of the diocese, but it will be administered by one bishop covering the whole area. And we believe that's viable now. I think there are several factors that go into that. First of all, the road network has been transformed in the last 20 years. It's m- simply much easier to get around and travel easily with the motorways. And particularly the motorway from Limerick to Chewham, I think, was a big influence of that. Funnily enough, COVID has also been a factor because things like Zoom and using technology to communicate, to conduct meetings and so on, has made remote working far easier. So in 2019, Uh, the General Synod of the Church of Ireland accepted a plan devised by the two dioceses themselves, and that was very important, to unite when the
0: next retirement of one of the bishops occurs. And so instead of one bishop retiring, we've got both bishops retiring. Uh, What's the thinking behind that, do you think?
1: I think the, the intention, I think, in the plan was that one or other bishop retires, then the other bishop would take over the new united diocese. And that makes a lot of sense. But for one issue, I think that Bishop Patrick Rook and myself are very close in age. um, And it would mean that one of us might retire. The other one would take over the new United Diocese. But then within a period of maybe 18 months or two years, that bishop would retire as well. And we didn't think that was fair in the diocese. And I think from the diocese point of view and the well-being of the diocese, it makes much more sense for us to coordinate our retirement First, retire at the same time, for the diocese then to be formally united, and then together to choose and elect a new bishop for this next phase of their life in the
0: west and southwest of Ireland. And how long will this process take? How involved is the process? Within the Church of Ireland, uh, the next bishop
1: will be elected uh, by clergy and lay people representing the diocese and also representing the wider church. It's under the chairmanship of the Archbishop of Dublin. I suspect that the body may well be able to meet before Christmas. They usually meet a second time. And I think that would be into the new year, probably January, February. And at that point, hopefully, they would have the name of a new bishop elected. And then a month or two later, then that bishop is consecrated and begins ministries. But that's my guess of a timetable. I, I, I will, Until we retire, that discussion and timetable won't be set. Um, and I'm only guessing. and I certainly yeah. won't be part of the planning of that bit. Of it.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a very large diocese, isn't it? I think when we looked at it on the map, uh, it's going to consist of about the third of the area of the island of Ireland. And so, as you say, it brings communication difficulties, whether uh, the road communications have certainly improved over the years. But also, of course, as you said, people are getting used to Zooming and things. So would you think that's going to be a major part of how we conduct ourselves in the new enlarged diocese?
1: I think it'll be a significant part of the administration side of it. But I don't think you're ever going to get away in church life from the personal and the interrelation, interpersonal relationships. The bishop would still have to be out visiting each of the churches of his or her diocese. It could be a woman bishop, remember? Uh, his or her diocese on a very regular pattern, which is our normal way of doing things. That would still happen. And that's why I think a very wise idea was that there should be a small residence available to the bishop and a meeting place in the northern part of the diocese in what's now the Chewham area. Uh, just simply the bishop was a base uh, from which to operate over a number of days and visit and so on. That's the new bit to it all. Uh, but even currently, when I go to some parts of this diocese, particularly down Kerry, out by, you know, Kenmare, Valencia and so on, I would usually stay overnight in a hotel. And it makes a lot more sense. You can meet people, have a meal with people, take a lot more time. So already I'm used to the fact that uh, I do sometimes overnight. But I think giving the new bishop a permanent place to stay on uh, a regular basis in the northern part of the province. I think it's just realistic, modern practice. I would have thought businesses would do the same sort of decision. Mm. And I think it's wise that the church looks forward and creatively to new
0: forms of ministry. So, Bishop, one of the things that uh, is noticeable in your time in the diocese is the increasing ecumenical involvement. Yes, I,
1: I certainly that was a very important part of my time here. Um, and my relationship, um, you mentioned Bishop Finton, there was also Bishop Leahy in Limerick, and we were long-time friends, um, and, and still are. And we knew one another. and Had worked together uh, even before we came. Either of us came to Limerick. Uh, bishop Ray Brown and Kerry, and Bishop Michael Diogon, uh, the comparatively new bishop in clonfert We had certainly were looking forward to working together more. Um, I think the ecumenical movement is something that in Ireland we talked about for a very long time, and we did if you like, go through the motions of it a bit with the ecumenical service, the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity. I think they were very important, um, but I think sometimes they became a bit repetitive. And what I think has been wonderful about my, the last few years is to discover the extent to which people have got beyond the formality of ecumenical occasions and they just do things together. All churches, in particularly in the West and the Southwest, are facing the same issue of rural depopulation. The numbers still, simply aren't there. And churches are struggling with falling numbers, like everyone else, and maintaining buildings and so on. And I think church people, congregations, local people just find that actually the issues facing the Catholic Church in a particular town or village is exactly the same as the one facing the Church of Ireland, though we're on a smaller scale. And I have found that myself in my relationship with the bishops, Catholic bishops with whom I worked. It would be great if we could meet more often, but I think time and pressure and diaries make that difficult. But I know that every time I meet any of my Catholic counterparts, I know that we have an easy relationship, that we'll be welcomed, that we will support and encourage one another. And certainly if any problem arose or any issue arose, there'll be no problem in my phoning any of my colleagues or they phoning me. And I think we could resolve it amicably on almost every occasion. The ecumenical movement's gone through a period of change, I think a huge change. The major theological discussions well, they're still happening, but they don't impact at the local level the way they used to. And they certainly don't provide barriers now to engagement. And I just find that in a wonderful way, at a local parish level, churches are simply getting on with relating to one another and supporting one another in all sorts of things, mm-hmm. practical things, joint occasions uh, for special events and so on. So it's 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 been a very a big eye opener. And I'm delighted to have seen that and see it happening on the ground so effectively here in never could kill hmm.
0: so we're looking at your retirement uh have you any plans what do you uh, do you play golf any hobbies that you're going to devote yourself to now
1: yeah um i i really i've tried with golf for so long <laughs> i do occasionally enjoy playing uh, the golf but actually i don't think anyone i'm playing with enjoys it <laughs> um, i'm pretty awful at golf so golf could be there but it wouldn't be a major target of mine and it would be more in the area of embarrassment for people to see me trying to play golf but uh, and, and no I, I, I don't have major plans we have very happily had three grandchildren born in the last two years and I would like to see a lot more of them and spend a lot more time with them and that's been a particular joy that I suppose was an unexpected one but I think most people who enter the world of being a grandparent never quite realize the extent to which that's a, a great choice that'll be part of it and then I think I will look around for other, other ways of spending my time. I hope I won't have that much spare time. I've had a very varied ministry and a, every turn and change. I haven't done normal things in ministry in the past.
0: So I think retirement would be something I'd like to do, a bit of catching up on all of the things I ought to have done over the years. As you said, you've had a, a varied career and, and a very fascinating and interesting career, uh, including time as being Secretary General for 10 years of the Anglican Communion. Uh, supporting the uh, Anglican churches throughout the world. And you then came to Limerick and Killaloo seven years ago. How have you found your time here without the, the politicking and the travel and all the rest that you had when you were secretary?
1: The, my time as secretary general was fascinating. and I could never have imagined the opportunity. It did involve traveling an enormous amount of time. And you'd I usually find myself in a different church or cathedral in a different part of the world almost every Sunday. And that was fascinating, and it's an extraordinarily privileged insight into the life of the church. But the downside to that is that you never really have a sense of belonging, a sense of a congregation or people that you belong to and they belong to you. Um, and I've, I missed that during that time. So coming to this diocese in this part of the world was an opportunity to really have a community, now a very extended community, a very scattered community, but a community to which I felt I belonged where I was, could look forward to worshipping every week with them, a group of people I met regularly, as together we shared and explored the future ministry of the diocese. Particularly enjoyed the fellowship of clergy. Um, we have a great bunch of clergy in this diocese who are, like I think clergy in most churches in the West of Ireland, are having to explore very imaginatively different ways of ministry. And I thought that was an exciting journey, and they were doing some very exciting things, and I was very happy be part of that and to see that sort of thing on the ground. so that was the biggest thing I benefited from when I came to Limerick and Killaloo. the very and I think even within Ireland, the West and the southwest of Ireland have a much stronger sense of community than for example the Eastern region, which is the part I knew better.
0: And so you'll be going with a heavy heart. Uh, we'll be losing you with a heavy heart, but we certainly wish you uh, every, every enjoyment in your retirement. And we look forward to seeing what new ventures you undertake uh, because you're still a relatively young man, Bishop. Come on. I don't know about that. I don't think my wife wants to see many, too many new ventures.
1: She's looking forward to me being at home a little more. Um, but I do leave with a bit of a heavy heart. I've made some great friends here and I have enjoyed every minute of my ministry here. I'll be here till the end of October, so I'm not quite gone yet. But um, um, So don't, don't write me off too soon. No, but, um, no I, I have. it is a heavy heart, and I certainly will miss my time here. I think as I look through the various chapters of my very complicated ministry, I had a ministry that I could never have envisaged on the day I was ordained. But in each chapter of that, as I look back, I do think that my time here in the west and southwest of Ireland is probably the happiest and most fulfilling time in my ministry during my lifetime. So I certainly will miss everyone here.
0: Very good, Bishop. Well, thank you very much for your ministry and thank you for joining us this evening. And uh, we do wish you every happiness in your retirement. Thank you very much.